TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Two Guys in a Mic show, TalkZone.com. Beautiful, beautiful, if not slightly hot and extremely steamy. City of Chicago here on a beautiful, beautiful Wednesday. Thank you so much for joining us. It's the coach and the big dog at your service right up until 11 o'clock, one hour per day. That's our limit. We only get one hour to talk, more specifically, 56 minutes and 27 seconds. But, big dog, it's uh, not about quantity. It's about quality, right? Yeah, it absolutely is, Coach. And I want to give you much more quality today. I was I, I was going on no sleep yesterday. As a matter of fact, you, you talked about how hot and steamy it was. Yep. I just realized something. I haven't even been outside of the house in about 25 hours now. So that, that's pretty embarrassing. Well, yesterday you missed a good one. If it's been 25 hours based on today, you might want to uh, stay inside and make it 39 hours. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Turn on the air conditioning, I would say that to you, but I know uh, from speaking to you in the past, you've had all kinds of problems with your heating and air conditioning guy. But if memory serves me correct, you have now uh, found an adequate, reliable, if not friendly, air conditioning guy. Oh, yeah. We, we we actually had it come in. Somebody got it. Somebody fixed it for us. The guy actually came in, grabbed me by my ankles, split me open. When he got done shaking, mm-hmm. he was like, oh, that's enough money. And then he dropped me and he left. <laughs> I love happy endings. Yeah, isn't it great? My head hurts, but at least it's cool in the place now, and I have no money left. But, hey, you know what? It's nice in here, Coach. I suffer. I don't know if anybody else has this. It's kind of a quiet disease. People are probably embarrassed to talk about it, but I do have a slight, if not significant, case of uh, ACADL. What is the the Air conditioning, air conditioning, attention deficit learning problem. I have extreme difficulties working. And I know it's extremely simple, and my wife shows me every time, but I I struggle figuring out the heating and the air conditioning. Dave Olson is looking at me like, you know, I'm an otherwise somewhat normal individual, but I'm telling you, I have ACADL. What can I tell you? Coach, I I don't understand that. I thought I had all those problems. Uh And then after I bought my own house, I realized that I do have a pair of testicles, and I can fix stuff <laughs> now that I never knew that I could ever. Like, legitimately, if you were to ask me in June of 07, yes. can you uh, do any type of plumbing and fix a pipe? Absolutely not. Next thing I know, I'm fixing pipes in my own house. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, it, I don't know what is. So, so, obviously, I can't fix the air conditioner, but at least I had some semblance of idea of what was wrong with it, believe it or not. And keep in mind, my disease here, I'm not talking about fixing the air conditioner. I'm talking about turning it on and off no, and no, making no, sure no, it's the you right... You don't know how to turn it on? No, well, no, no, wait. Now, is it one of the older dial ones? No. Or it, so it's completely electronic? Yes. Okay, well... Little um, push buttons up and right, down and right. then heating off on cool. Well, will devices like that come with something that's called a manual? <laughs> That you can read and it'll tell you how to use it. Uh, in the great words of Testicles, David Olson, the great Greek prophet Testicles, go take a long walk in an extremely short pier. Uh, David, Coach doesn't even listen to his Garmin when it tells him how to get somewhere. Okay? My who? I mean, 
your Garmin. Your, your GPS. Oh, okay. A Garmin? I didn't know that was the name for a GPS. It's so a that's just name. for, like, like if you don't want to use GPS, you just say Garmin because people might think that you're a loser if you're a man and you actually need a GPS. <laughs> I think I get it now. And David Olson doesn't know me that well yet. We've worked together only for a brief eight or nine months. It seems much longer than that, quite frankly. But uh, I don't. I'm not real big on reading manuals and, you know, I, I told you this before, big dog, I umpire and referee a little bit, and I've never read a rule book in my life. I found the baseball rule book absolutely unreadable, and I don't want to be too cocky, but I think I'm a damn good umpire, even without reading all the technical rules. But uh, manuals, that's another deficit problem I have. And instruction manuals, putting things together, can't do. Coach, you umpire? Yes. You umpire and you don't even know the rules of the game? Well, I didn't say that. From playing, I know the rule. I, what I said is I didn't. I don't read the rule book. And if I have to refer to a rule and somebody brings out the rule book, I find more often than not, actually going to the rule book, Big Dog, is more confusing than not. I'm, I'm really disappointed in you, Coach. You shouldn't have admitted that. Well, let me ask you, have you ever gone to the rule book like in a particular, the baseball rule book in particular? Forget about it. All it does is take a confusing play and confuse you even more, and more often than not, it, it, it goes against your basic instincts of baseball. Um, to be quite honest with you, if I was a coach, I would have read it. As a matter of fact, if I, I that was the first thing I was going to do is read the IHSA high school football rule book if I got a, a high school coaching job. That was going to be mm-hmm. the first thing I did. All right. So uh, well, I'm a little disappointed. To be well, quite we we learn different ways. I learn visually and and verbally. You, you maybe you learn, um, you know. I, would, I would, well, I was going to hope I learn every single way. So one of them, and and like if you know the rules, I think you have an advantage over the person you're coaching. Well, against. And again, I didn't say I don't know the rules. What I said is, and I think there's a difference here, a little subtle difference. I don't read the rule book. Doesn't mean I don't know the rules. Watch the game, played the game experience the game, I think I know the rules fairly well. Yeah, Coach, if this makes I any sense at all. There's rules I, that you might not know about. Probably, and those are the rules that bother me. See, that's, what I, that's what I mean. And I, it's not like <laughs> I, I don't know the basic rules, but I guarantee you there's rules that... Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, I would just come up with trick plays off of it, that's why. I would read the rule yeah. book to come up with specific See, trick plays to mess with the and other you, you are the kind of guy that would bother me, I guarantee. If you were managing on one side, I'm managing on the other. Even if it was a kid's game, you start pulling that crap on me, the technical stuff from the rule book, the two of us would get into it, and more likely than not, even though you're a little bit bigger than me, you would go down. Well, I, I will admit this. If it was like a Little League game, I wouldn't do that. If it was a high school game or above, I would. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example of, uh, of the rules gone astray. We had a game over the weekend. Against arch-rival team, young kids coaching, college-age, uh, you know, I think they were high school, college-age coaches. And they're, first of all, they're, uh, st- you know, stealing our catcher's signal, Pony League. No, that's ridiculous. Yes, stealing the signal. So that kind of rubbed us the wrong way. Then, and my son started off, I didn't argue at all, he'd be very happy with me. I'm the assistant coach of this team. My son gets a base hit to left field. After he gets the hit, they check the bats. And my, by the way, my son's like, you know, five feet three, 82 pounds. Hasn't hit puberty yet. We're hoping by the time he hits 19 that he does. But, uh, he was using the three quarter inch barrel. It's a small bat, but it had a big barrel. Technically illegal in this league. We didn't know it's a travel league. So they waited until after he got the hit, big dog, and then they call him out. Next batter up. I didn't argue at all, but it was pretty cool. Next batter up gets a base hit. They check his bat. Illegal bat. Now I know that's our fault for having illegal bats. 
But here's the point I'm getting to. You want to talk about technical rules. The uh, We have a college-age assistant coach who was really getting ticked off. You can imagine after those two plays. Uh-huh. You know, to me, if you're going to challenge a bat at that level, you know, do it beforehand. Don't wait until the guy gets a hit. That's a bunch of crap. I don't know if you agree with that. That's my personal opinion. No, at that level, it is a little different. Yes. I agree. At that level, it is, Coach. Yeah. I, I will admit that. Yeah, I mean, if you don't, I, you know, we were doing it to gain. Every single rule. We weren't doing it to gain any advantage. It was just, uh, you know, lack of knowledge of that particular league rules. The kids have been using these bats all season long in a house league, but in the travel league, they can't. So it's not like we were trying to gain an advantage, but if you want to call it, that's fine. But do it not, not, don't wait until the kid gets a hit. That's Bush League. Anyhow, here's the rule I was never aware of. Uh, you know how the catcher comes out of the game and they bring in a runner in for the catcher to speed up the game? Yeah. Okay. So they bring in their last out, a kid who was forced out at second base. Our, Coach knew this technical rule. I did not. I would never call it. But because of the fact they called the two bet rules on us, I did call it. He told the umpire, wait a minute, that's illegal. That's illegal. It's got to be the last batted out, not the kid who was forced out. That was an incorrect runner on base. If they're going to call the bats on us, you got to call him out. Technical rule. I'm, I'm going to guess you are not even aware of that. No, no. I, I, I never have been in a league where you can pinch one for a catcher. Okay. I've never even been in a, that well, type of league. Before. How about so, have you been in a softball league where you go courtesy run? If you're if you start talking technical rules in softball, yeah, I will slap somebody. But the, the, okay, that's a little different. <laughs> but the concept of the last out, you're aware of that, right? The guy who runs, all right, injured player. Hey, last out, go on base. No, I, I actually did not know that. Okay, I, well, uh, it's 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 somewhat common in youth baseball and in softball. Last out, who knew? And they sent their last out. The guy was forced out at second base. Who knew the technicality? Of the rule book that technically, if you're going to bring in the replacement for the catcher or an injured player, it can't be a forced out. It has to be the last guy batted out. A ridiculous technicality, which I would have never let our coach call, the young kid. But I only allowed it because of the technicality of what the other team did. So we kind of got back on it. But there's an example of rules gone astray. That was a long way to get there. Right? Yeah, well, you know, when you're talking about like little league, I, I agree with you. It, it is a little bit different. But right when you start talking high school, mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna differ with you because Coach Joe is talking about you shouldn't have to call the rules. If they make rules, you should implement them, and that's what kids have to learn. This that's the problem with today's. There's too too many people don't want to like tell kids what's right or wrong. If you're gonna play high school football, and there's a rule in the rule book, you're supposed to follow it. If you're gonna play high school baseball, it's the same way, and if and if all of a sudden you lose a hit or if you don't really get a guy out because you didn't do everything properly, well, you mm-hmm. know what? That's the way it is in life. Trust me, if you don't pay your taxes yeah, properly, you might have some guy knocking on your door taking your house when you're 20 years later. You know what? I oh. find that argument, uh, in all due respect, a bunch of crap. I, when I, whenever I hear people, oh, you know, that they, they learn their lesson. That's, you know, it's a life lesson there. It, it, you know, it's a good – that, that is a bunch of crap pola, and it's the same thing that came up. I think I explained – this situation uh, a couple of weeks ago where we are the Pony League World Series. I forget if, dog, you were in that day or not. In in my community got canceled. It got it was the best two out of three. Pony League World Series it got canceled because of a huge argument of the parents after a play where a kid hit a grand slam over the fence. We didn't talk about this? Yeah, we did. We okay. Did. You yeah. remember the play? 
Yeah, and, I, I, you didn't. It, you didn't tell me that it, it had just happened, so we didn't. I didn't know it got canceled. Yeah, that's pretty sad. The entire the, yeah, can't come together. Like the that. board, the board decided the feelings were too hard during it. They were talking to parents after, still heated feelings that canceled the whole thing. But here, when you say you know it was a lesson, a lot of people would tell me, well, you know, man, it's a tough call. The kid missed second base. That's what happened for the folks that didn't hear our award-winning show a couple of weeks ago. A grand slam over the fence to win World Series game number one. The kid on second base uh, hadn't played a lot of baseball before, their weakest player. He runs home. He misses home plate. Maybe by half a foot, the umpire saw it. The catcher appealed it. He calls the play. Only one run's going to count. Everybody else is out. Big argument. It won't get into the uh, the rest of it. But people tell me afterwards, Joe, well, you know, man, that's a tough, tough play. But the young, you know, the young kid, it's a lesson for the team that you got to follow rules. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough one, but the kid will learn from that. Bullcrappy. That's a bunch of garbage. The only thing he's going to learn from that is, is how shameful and a horrible memory and how it ruined what should have been a great moment. You want to learn the experience, big dog, from something like that? And this would apply even at the high school level. This is not just youth sport. Even at the collegiate level, you want to learn the experience, you get the coach of the other team who did what he should have done and called off his catcher's appeal and told the ump, let it go. And now he gets his team together after the game. After they lose the game and he explains, hey, guys, you know, here, technically, we could have called it. I could have called it, and we might have ended out winning the game. But you know what? The kid hit the ball over the fence. The guy might have missed home plate by a little bit. They rightfully earned that victory, and I thought it was the right thing to do. There's a lesson learned. All the parents of the community tell, oh, you know, the kid who missed second, a tough player, but he's learned, learned a lesson. There's no lesson learned. My particular opinion, that's what the coach should have done. Then, in a situation like that, there's a lesson learned. I, I couldn't disagree more. It would have been really nice if we had a uh, a coach actually do something like that. Uh, but it, it, it is a lesson learned, coach. So what is really the big deal if the kid, I mean, if, he, if they take away the home run from the kid? I mean, and, and the whole sense of the thing is, there are lessons learned. That's why you play youth sports, coach. And and I and I also agree with the fact that if you said a coach would step up and do that, you know, I would tip my hat to the coach. Mm-hmm. That is really, you know, being what? a man, and that is the best lesson anybody can learn in any of that. What lesson but, is learned by having a grand slam taken away because a kid missed home plate by what six inches? What lesson is learned by the fact that people can't get together and are so uh, unbelievably bad about it that they have to cancel the rest of the game? No question. Nobody in either side, everybody agrees with that. Whether you agree with the call or not, everybody agrees that the parental behavior was uh, was negative. Well, if so, I was the coach of the team that had missed home plate, I would have said, hey, you know, we missed it. We missed it. There's not, What are we going to do about it? you got to touch home plate. you got to touch all the bases from now on, everybody. Nancy, I, I would take a different so, approach. I, I, well, I, I couldn't be that calm about it. I wouldn't be upset at the other at the catcher for doing his job when I, he's told. I would. Bro, since he's been in, in Pee Wee Baseball, yeah. uh, Mustang League, Make sure every single player touches home plate mm-hmm. when they come in. I've, well, you know what? He did exactly what he was told to. And he went to the umpire and said the second guy missed home plate. I've coached Just baseball. He was supposed to. So what is he supposed to say when he's been doing his job like this for the last 10 years as a little league coach or manager, or called, uh, catcher? Oh, you didn't have to do that because it doesn't really matter. Yes. That's exactly what he should uh, should have said. I don't blame the kid, by the way. I blame the coaches who should have come out and said to the umpire, what, what, what did my catcher call? Appeal? He's, no, no, we're not going to appeal that. So I agree with you in that standpoint. But big dog, I've coached youth baseball for over 20 years. I don't think I've ever, ever instructed my catcher. Hey, at a home run, make sure you watch it. They touch the plate. Never said. You don't? Not, you have it? Not a coaching point. And, I, and, I, and if I coach 20 more years, I never will again.
That's not a teaching point. That's not a coaching point. I hate to tell you, Coach, it is. Okay, that's part of the game. You're supposed to touch all the bases. Yes. I mean, that's, that's what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, that's not, at a not, major league level. Not on a home run hit out of the park or a ball that goes in the gap and is, you know, rolling from here to eternity and the guy scores easily. That's not part of the game. No, on a play at home. You know, it's a close play. Kid misses the plate. You go for the tag. Umpire calls. Say, wait a minute, he missed the plate. That's different. Advantage gained. But not when a ball is hit over the fence. That's not part of the game. I would strongly disagree. Uh, I, I would have to disagree with you, Coach. Right. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a stickler for the rules. That's why you put him in. That's why you know you're, you have to learn how to play the game. And so, part of learning how to play the game is sometimes uh, that's... you get stuff taken from you. So. It, it, Coach, not everything is so jolly and sweet all the time in life. What, but, but who advantage? Why are rules written? What is the purpose of the rule book? It's to create a fair game, correct? Oh, absolutely. Okay, to have some established rules and to create a fair game, no advantage game. So those are the rules that should be applied. Okay, take the situation where our coach, let's just say they they hadn't called two bad plays on us. Okay, and that, let's say it's a tight ball game in the uh, last inning. And their catcher gets a big hit. They're, they got a rally going. We're ahead by a run. And they send in the catcher's injured or they're going to do the play where you can replace the catcher with a run. Okay? And they bring in the guy who was the last out, who was forced out at second base. Okay? Now, technically, 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 the rule is when you send the last out, it can't be the guy sliding in. It has to be the last batted out. Are you telling me that some coach that would call that in that situation, that wouldn't be out of line? Even though he's technically right by the rule book. That's Bush League. That's not part of the game. Not in the spirit of competition. Again, no advantage gained. You know, that is something totally different, though, than touching all the bases. Well, but that's that's someone knowing the rule book, according to you. Well, he knows okay, the rules. Well, He's enforcing it. Well, it's, everybody should touch the bases. If you don't know to touch home plate when you come in, that's a little bit different than knowing a technicality of who was forced out and who was mm-hmm. uh, who was last batted out. All right. I, I mean, I, there are some rules that are so basic and so intrinsic as in touch home plate. You don't score the run unless you actually touch home plate. To me, I mean, the, I hate to tell you, Coach, but it's, I would be embarrassed the fact that you couldn't play the last couple games in that in, in the league. I mean, if I was if I was a parent on that team, I'd be like, if it was my my yes. kid, I'd be like, hey, don't worry about it. Trust me, this is only little league baseball. Nobody really cares. Mm-hmm. You'll get over it, but you got to touch home plate. That's well, I, how I would treat my kid with it. I so. agree with you on the embarrassment uh, of not being able to play because of the behavior of the fans more than the coaches. That part, I agree with you. I disagree with you on the part of touching home plate. All the umpires got to do is call the kid aside. You're, Afterwards, you're, you're you, you bring him over. Hey, number 14, 14. Hey, next time, you know, make sure he was pretty close. Make sure you touch the plate. Teach him a lesson and not ruin the good moment. Everybody's happy. You see, well... You know what? The way I look at it is, you teach him a lesson and you go along with what happened. And and you making me look like I'm so hardcore. I'm probably the most laid back guy ever. And I because I could really care less whether you win or lose the game. So I'd be like, hey, you know what? You lost the game. The reason why you didn't lose it is because the reason why you lost it is because you didn't touch home plate. You have to touch home plate. Mm-hmm. You know. So it's not like I'm sitting there win at all cost type mentality. It's you know what? There's rules. Yeah, you people- follow them. People can be laid back and still be sticklers for the rules, and in my opinion, still wrong. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I, I, you know, this this whole argument and I yes. between you and I started over a, a, a false start penalty 
that happened in the Wisconsin-Iowa game like 10 years ago. You I realize that this, no. this is how the whole stickler for the world argument happened. Refresh my days. memory. I don't remember that particular play. I like uh, the fact you brought up college football, though. I can, it was, oh, yeah, please. I, I would love to. Iowa and Wisconsin are playing, and okay. Wisconsin goes for a two-point conversion. Okay. They were successful. The problem was the play was stopped because there was the left tackle moved his, moved his body. And mm-hmm. you basically said that, oh, you, you, I can't believe they called a false start penalty, cost Wisconsin the tie, and, you know, Wisconsin moved back because they had to go for two, and they, and they missed the next play. Mm-hmm. And you were all livid that you should never call a false start penalty because the guy from Iowa, the end, didn't go across the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And you thought it was wrong. And, and all I was trying to say is, Coach, you're supposed to – Everybody's supposed to be still for one second before the snap of the ball. Yes, we know that's that. That's how this whole argument started. Yes, we know. Because it cost Wisconsin a chance to go to overtime. Yeah, and the guy twitched a little bit. Yeah, uh, exactly, didn't move. and you're not supposed yeah, to twitch at all. I know the you're guy, not supposed getting, to. He's getting $85,000 worth of education yeah, for four to. years. He should learn. When the when the ball is snapped, your big, big 325-pound butt can't jiggle at all. Okay. <laughs> But Coach, if, I never, I committed one penalty in nine years of football. Okay, mm-hmm. people like me should have a little bit of an advantage over somebody that commits two, three penalties every single game. Okay. Well, you were soft. I can't help that fact. Oh, I was soft, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was soft. That's, no, I, I would argue that you have to know as an official when to call things and when not. Final play of the game, two point. At the three hundred and twenty-five pounder wiggles his uh, two hundred and sixty-pound gluteus maximus. Move, Let it, it go. It was a legitimate. He went back in the stance. You can't do that. You got to know the snap. Well, I'd have to see the play. If he if he clearly well, you jumps. You saw it at the time, and you were really upset. You were adamant about it. We both well, saw I, it. I can't remember the play. I don't even remember the argument, quite frankly. But I, but the situation you described to me, if the guy significantly moves forward. And then no, back. It was back. He went because it was a pass play. He kind of like went back a little uh, bit. All right. Kind of like, all right. If it's kind of like went back. He moved. Okay. As far uh, as I'm concerned. And that's, that's, it's ever since then, we've been on once. I didn't know that you were like that. Mm-hmm. That you were like, ah, uh, I, I could care less. It's a, and your, mm-hmm. and your whole thing was it was a big play. They shouldn't have called it. Yes. I mean, like, you I have to know when, like, if there was contact on a pass play, yes. They still have the ability to go back and, and make a play. I, I, that's, just because it's the big play of the game doesn't mean that you should not have the rules of football. And I do understand that kind of pass mm-hmm. interference penalty. You kind of got to let them play. Don't yes. call any cheap ones. Yes. But this is before the snap of the football coach. I, I don't know. There's just something to me about that. You have mm-hmm. to be set and aligned right in football. I, right. I, it's, let me ask you, David Olson, our producer, I got a feeling based on David's body language and his – Skepticism he's favoring on your side, David, a guy who reads owners' manuals and uh, would read a rule book if he was happy to coach. He's a guy that combs his hair and puts deodorant on, coach. He okay. uh, very well groomed. I will say that for a radio producer, and typically in our business, big dog, those not familiar with it, not only radio hosts that people can see, but the producers, the behind-the-scenes people in radio, it's not a pretty sight. No, it, gro- yeah, among their it, top, so good either. Among the top ten strengths of radio producers, grooming and cleanliness, typically. <laughs> Not amongst the ten, but David Olson uh, defies that particular... Um... Yeah, I pride myself on never being the stinky guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Every yes. radio station, there's always the stinky yeah. guy. Now, it, <laughs> it's funny because smelly guys are making fun of the stinky guy. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, I will find out who at the talk zone is that guy. But all right, let me ask David. i, I got a feeling David disagrees with me. You're referee in football. Okay, let's say not third, fourth grade. Let's say junior high football, even a high school football game. Uh, pitch out, and the guy sweeps to the right side, okay, down the sideline, and he breaks it. 
you are on the other side of the field, and on your side of the field, you see the 325-pound, big-butted offensive lineman Big Dog was talking about holding. Not terrible, doesn't throw the guy down, not flag, but he's holding a little bit. On your side of the field, completely away from the pitch out and the race down the sideline. Technically a hold. Had no effect on the play. You going to throw the flag and take the ADR run away, or do you let it go and talk to the player after the play? Uh, depends on the league, to tell you the truth. Let's say, say it's high school varsity football. You, high school varsity get, football, you, you throw the flag. You throw the flag. See, I would disagree. Big dog? If you want to get technical with the rule, is holding is only if you impede somebody from making the play. That's the technical rule of it. Wow. So if, if you're talking about the left side tackle, it, it, it really depends on what the hold is. If he's just holding them, mm-hmm. you don't call the play because he really wasn't going to make the play. But if it's one of those things where the guy comes crashing down and he like get tackled by the guy, mm-hmm. you call the play. You, it's a, that's a holding penalty. You have to call it on, on, well, that, particular, on that particular thing. In Europe. Because you don't know if that end is going to come flying down and make the play. You don't know that. Oh, uh, no, no. If, if there's a dike. Many plays crashing down from the other side. Yes. So it, no, no, no. I mean, if he has a chance to make the play, there's no argument at all. If, I'm talking you, about in a situation you, where it was way away from the play. Well, it all depends on also the safety. If it's just a little bit of a hold and it's way away from the play and mm-hmm. you know the guy wasn't going to make the play, don't call it. Okay. But if you hold in a way that can actually injure the kid, and you mm-hmm. know there are ways to do that, like grabbing a leg, mm-hmm. doing stuff like that, you call the penalty because then it's more about safety than it is about yeah, the actual see, I'm play. A, I'm a sports purist. I'm all about the game, not the technicality. And I see this team, maybe this struggling team, uh, you know, get a great play. Well, yeah, An 80-yard touchdown run down the right sideline, dramatic play, crowd going crazy. I'm not going to take it away. I'm not going to throw a flag and destroy that great moment on a insignificant technicality. I'll talk to the guy. Hey, number 42, over here, after he celebrates with the team. Hey, watch the hold. That was pretty close that time. Teach- right, well, teachable moment without destroying a play. 100% of your to call it or not should be based on whether that had an effect on the play, whether the kid could be injured. Okay, if you're actually going to call it because a team needed it as momentum in a football game, mm-hmm. that's no, come on. Uh, Adam, throwing that little caveat in there is ridiculous. I don't think so. I don't really? think so. Really? If, you, you really? Oh, you just want to keep it a good game? No. So if that, if that team was up 21 nothing at the time, <laughs> and if they were up 21 nothing uh-huh. at the time, you'd be more likely to call the holding penalty because you know what? Hey, they were killing them. That, uh, is that what you're saying to me? Possibly. That thought that, that pro- you just wrecked your whole argument. Hold on. I, no, yes, you did. Let me explain a poor favor. I would, as if at a high school varsity game, that thought processes would be limited. I agree with you. Uh, grade school? Junior high, a little bit less limited. I'm seeing, uh, you know, Wilmette beating Glenview 28 to nothing. And Wilmette oh, gets the team. Game, by the way, a lot of speed. I don't even know how you can keep <laughs> up with the running backs in order to call the play. <laughs> Wilmette uh, is leading 28 to nothing. They get a pitch out. They're going for another touchdown. And I see a questionable hold. I might call it. I might to keep the game, you know, to, well, they're already up 28 nothing. I'm going to call it. But a team's down 28 nothing. Great school football. Pitch out right, and I see the guy hold here. They, you know, maybe this is their last chance to score a touchdown. Yeah, it does make a difference in my thinking. And again, high school varsity, not as much. So you may call me crazy for that, but yeah, score of the game and situation does make a difference in that particular. Yeah, 
and I, I totally understand where you're coming from, whether it has an effect on the play. But like mm-hmm. game situation, you start getting into that, you won't even you'd be thinking too much on the field. You just need Those, to react and call the play. Uh, but I, but I would argue the best officials. And by the way, anybody cares to join this uh, particular argument? We're going to get to the All Star game in just a minute. We didn't plan to do this. Don't know how we got into it, but um, 888-463-6748 if you got thoughts for the dog and the coach. Two opposites attract here uh, in this particular opinion. 888-463-6748. You can email us at Mike2GuysAOL.com, M-I-C, and the number two. Mike, I know how we got started, and I'm going to end it right here. Okay, Here's what I would be upset about if I was a player on your team. I got called out because I didn't have the right bat. I'd be that coach. I didn't have the right bat. Why didn't you let me know? And so yeah. instead of being mad at the other coach mm-hmm. for calling me out, I'd be like, this is ridiculous. We're in an all-star tournament. I'm getting called out. I would have been more than happy to use less than a three-quarter barrel bat. Mm-hmm. So you can point the finger at one coach for calling out two guys, and just like you always say, coach, there's three fingers pointing right back at you. <laughs> Fair enough. And I said in that particular situation, I, I – Believe I said absolutely. The coaches are to be blamed for that. We should have known the rule. It yeah, doesn't. I mean, it doesn't make not it... enough accountability in the world. Is all I'm no, saying. I agree with you that. Know, if you know, if my teammate doesn't touch home plate and cost me a grand slam, mm-hmm. I'm not pointing the finger at the coach who called him out. I'd be like, hey, yep. could you please touch home plate next that's, time? That's where we disagree. I, I would not be mad. I would be mad at the. There's why we need accountability more in the world. That's the, mm-hmm. everybody wants to pass the buck nowadays and blame yeah. everybody else. I would agree. Accountability for doing the right. Thing. The guy who missed home plate, simple little mistake, not a major problem. Accountability would be to the other coach who shouldn't have made that call. Now, I'm not trying to be funny or rude here. Was the kid special? No. Then, then you got to learn. The kids got to learn the lesson. Then. That's, don't give me that. That's, there's no lesson to be learned in having a grand slam rule. Going to be a moment, negative moment that kid will remember for the rest of his life. There's, my opinion, no lesson to be learned at all except ruining what should have been a great moment. He ran around the bases. He's celebrating. He missed home plate by half a foot. The ball was hit over the fence. Crap hole. No lesson. If he's the type of kid that can't get over the fact that he wrecked a Little League grand slam. That's a tough moment. Then what's going to happen to him when, uh, when some girl dumps him when he's 20? I mean, he might go over the edge and go postal coach. So <laughs> you got to find these things out about people right away. All right? That's. I'm, I'm going to stay on the other side of the fence with you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to build this fence a little bit higher. <laughs> yes, David. And 25 minutes later, it still doesn't change the fact that you don't know how to use your air conditioner. <laughs> That's how it started. <laughs> Reading the manual of the air conditioner. Thank you very much. I don't know what it is. Those buttons up and down, heat, cool, off. You know, if it's 76, do you go down to 75? How do you get the heat to cook it? Kick in the air conditioning off. My wife looks at me like I'm crazy. And when she shows me... Then I figured out it's very simple. But then if I don't use it for like a month, I go back to ACADL. What can I tell you? All right. Big Dog, can we take a uh, quick break and talk a little all-star baseball? I'm assuming you watched the game. Oh, absolutely. I'm excited to say this was the first all-star game, which I watched pretty much every single pitch. I missed Mm -hmm. a little bit early, uh, like second and third inning. Since I can't even remember. Since probably the last time the National League won the game. Seriously, was the last time I was. It was only out of being able to do it. It wasn't like I, I like to turn it off, but uh-huh. well, definitely have a lot of thoughts on yesterday, last night's also. I, too, had it on tape, but also watched it start to finish. I was fading last couple of innings. Right near midnight, my son had to wake me up a couple of times, but great ball game. And my comment yesterday about the MLB All-Star game being the best of them all, 
was reinforced yesterday. We'll talk to MLB All-Star and uh, baseball in general. When we come back, you can join us, 888-463-6748. Your thoughts more than welcome. If you don't call, you got to listen to me and Joel talk. are open for your calls on two guys and a mic call 888 go for it once again here's the coach john cone and the big dog joel radwanski on talkzone.com big dog some disturbing news coming over my aol updates here believe it or not this is very very disturbing are you sitting now uh no coach i can't sit down i have a rash on my ass a little bit too much information. A simple yeah. no would have sufficed. Apparently, uh, Sarah Palin's fine daughter, Bristol, uh-huh. has announced engagement with that. I won't use the description I was going to say because kids might be listening. With that Levi guy that she had the kid with. They are okay, now so engaged. I, I, I have to admit, Coach, I could care less about Sarah Palin's personal issues. So I, all, I, all I heard about this Levi guy is he's a little bit of a philanderer. Am yes. I right? Uh, a lot of a florander. Uh, he, he's uh, he he wants a powerful woman so he doesn't have to work. Is that true? I would say right on both accounts. Okay, see, I really don't know much what's going on, and and from what I understand, does, has this guy ever done his own reality show? I think he tried. <laughs> oh, he he was he did a Kathy Griffin show like like a dozen times or something like that. And then was he was going to pose for a men's magazine, right? I don't know if that ever he, happened. No, he did. He, he did. Po- he posed for Playgirl. God bless. Yeah. Oh, oh, no, did he really? Did did he blame <laughs> did he blame the shortcomings on how cold Alaska is? <laughs> no idea, but it's like it's interesting cuz he came out last week with the apology to the Palin family. Uh-huh. You remember that? It just kind of no. came out of nowhere. Yeah. No. He's like, "Oh, he's like, I just don't want to express my apologies to, to to Sarah Palin and her entire family. Some of the stuff I said about them was not entirely true." Ah. And it was just like, "Oh, that, that that's kind of weird." Uh-huh. Oh. Just kind of do that and then one week later they're engaged. One week later, yeah, they're engaged. So, you know what? I I could forgive pretty much any type of stuff like that, but when you start like if you start making up false accusations about people, forget that. I I, I would not be able to trust the guy ever again. Mm-hmm. It was one of the most uncomfortable sights. It was almost as weird as seeing Sammy Sosa back in the day sitting next to Hillary Clinton at the State of the Union address. I think Bill Clinton's first or whenever Sammy had the big year and he was an icon. There was Sammy at the, at the United States. Bill Clinton, State of the Union address sitting right next to Hillary Clinton. That was so on. I still remember uh, when John McCain picked Sarah Palin out of uh, the clear blue. Remember, I mean, nobody knew who Sarah Palin was. Uh-huh. But he figured he was behind Barack Obama. He would take a, a long shot. I don't blame him for doing that. And you remember the uh, Democrat, the Republican convention, when all of a sudden, uh, you know, the Sarah Palin's up there, and they would picture the crowd, and there's Levi Johnston, who a week ago 
was a non-heard of 19-year-old hockey player who was dating the governor's daughter. Pretty much in obscurity. And there he is, front and center, looking extremely uncomfortable in sport coat and tie on national TV at a one-week transition. You can imagine for a 19-year-old kid what that felt like. Yeah, and that was at the time that Sarah Palin was like 120 pounds and supposedly she was seven and a half months pregnant or something like that. You, you know, uh, it, it, I'm going to go back to the Sammy Sosa and Hillary Clinton thing. You know, Hillary and Bill weren't sleeping in the same room at that time, if you know what I'm talking about, Coach. Take and it if, easy. You, if you ever seen Sonia Sosa, mm-hmm. she's got the same body type as Hillary Clinton. And the fact that Sammy and, and Hillary were, were sitting next to each other, who knows mm-hmm. what was going on with that? You know, he was the Latin clubber. And so. she and she, and uh, I believe she does have a slight vent for politics too. So uh, let the rumors fly. <laughs> Stranger things have happened. Uh, I don't know. Not I, really, but <laughs> well, uh, maybe if Bill had this all over his back the way right. Sammy Sosa did. All right. Thank you very much. Anyhow, disturbing, disturbing news in the uh, Las Vegas over and under on that marriage. Uh, what would you go, about a year and a half, maybe? Oh, 18 months? That sounds about right, Coach. I'd okay. go with that. I would take the over because I think they'll make it a little bit more than two years. But they, there will be, I will put the over-under on uh, domestic violence allegations <laughs> at two and a half in that, eight, uh, in that two and a half years. Uh, I shouldn't even laugh about that. All right, let's get to the All-Star game. 888-463-6748. Phone lines open. You watched the game yesterday. Uh, feel free to call, comment, anything on the TV production, the announcing, or God forbid, actually the game itself. Big Dog, the big story, lest we forget, is the National League won the game 3-1 to one and broke a rather long losing streak. You were a young teenager, still almost hormonal the last time the National League won. No, actually, I was I was 24. So, but, but I'm still, be 24. I was 23 still. At the did time. I get the hormonal part right? Uh, I, I'm still a hormonal coach. I hate to tell you, <laughs> but whatever. I, last night, excellent ball game. Uh, the only there was a little bit though in the middle where it wasn't very well played. You had uh, Chin So Q throwing Oof. the ball all the way down the, the first base line. You had was... David Wright. You know, Joe Mauer may have made. The second worst throw I've ever seen a catcher make the second base. Yep. The throw was so bad that David Wright did not know it went in the center field. Because it, it went in the right center. Yeah, my, my son said, did that ricochet off the umpire? He thought your, it, your son was right. He thought no, he wasn't. It was just well, a I mean, bad. Like you right in the fact of how bad the throw yes. was. It kind of looked like it. Watch the I replay. Thought the right fielder was going to be the one who fielded the throw, coach, not the center fielder. It was, That's how uh, bad it was. Those two particular plays, though, those were. Not even pony leagueish; those were little leagueish. And then, and then later on, you get Elvis Andrews, who's pinch running for Derek Jeter. Don't you love when somebody pinch runs and they get thrown out of the yep. base pass? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that just cracks me up. Elvis Andrews overruns uh, second base and he gets tagged out. This is all like in an inning and a half that all this stuff happened. I was like, really? Is this the All Star game? These are the mm-hmm. best players we have in the world. David Wright doesn't even know to go to third base when the ball is in right center field. You know, it's pretty funny. Is uh, uh, the first base coach and the third base coach of these teams are not like they're normal managers, right? right? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Well, uh, I, I think not whatever. all the time, coach, but sometimes. You know, okay. it all depends because it's not like a, a, a whoever was coaching first when when Koo threw the ball into the right field corner. Mm-hmm. He was the one telling Longoria to go to third, which which I thought was kind of funny. The, they showed the third base coach is kind of like watching the play. And he's not the one telling Longoria to come. It was the first because you Longoria turned to the first base coach and then ran. 
I'm like, even the third base coach is messing up in this particular instance. It was it was pretty funny baseball. Yeah, those couple of plays were uh, funny slash weird slash sad to see it in an all-star game. First five, six innings, though, flew by in the pitching. I mean, you got the best hitters in baseball, but those first five, six innings, and even towards the end overall, Big Dog, the pitching was outstanding. Yeah, yeah I don't want to sit here and pat myself on the back, but you, legitimately, you look at that American League lineup, Coach, Yep. and I might be going overboard here. But there's there's a legitimate shot that seven of those nine players end up in the Hall of Fame. Josh Hamilton and Carl Crawford would really have to step up their play. but And Robinson Cano is still young. But there's, there's like six guys that are certain Hall of Famers in their lineup. This was like the 1933 lineup. You know, Al Simmons and Jimmy Fox and Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. That's what it looked like to me. And for some reason, I was like, this lineup is too good to win. It's like, it was just, a, it's an amazing lineup. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened. They didn't, none of those guys drove in a run. None of them. All those unbelievable, one through eight, one through nine, they're incredibly loaded. Not one guy drove in a run yesterday for the American League until uh, a sack fly by who? I, I forget uh, even who it was. You know, it, yeah. it was, and I don't even know if it was one of the and starters. It, which and it, and it, it only scored a run. That was it when it came after the, uh, the pitchers overthrow to first base, right? Uh huh. Yeah, so without without that, run. yeah, without that error, the American League and all those great hitters, those future Hall of Famers, as you talked about, get shut out by an impressive display of pitching on the National League side. <laughs> it was a good ball game, coach. So uh, you know it was pretty tense, and then like later on, you know, the National League has a couple chances, and then finally they they broke through. Marlon Bird with a phenomenal at-bat to yep. draw a walk. And then seeing Marlon Bird, the rest of Major League Baseball, when I heard, oh, he doesn't deserve to be an all-star. Well, you know what? They got to see that Marlon Bird, without question, deserved to be an all-star because that awesome at-bat to draw the walk and then scoring from first on a double, yep. it was nothing but pure out-and-out hustle to get there. And then later on making the play of the game, without question the play of the game, when he realized that he would not be able to dive and catch the ball, and if you dive and the ball goes past you, all of a sudden the tying run is in scoring position. And he even said all this is going through his head while he's running there. Like he, so he had to do the math, and he figured, hey, you know what? Big Poppy is on first. He thinks I'm going to catch the ball, so he won't be able to go. So if I catch this on one bounce and turn and throw it the second, I might be able to get an out out of it. Coach, all that stuff I just said to you, he had to figure out while well, running at full speed in about what about a half a second. He had to mm-hmm. do the math on all that stuff. Yep. And you know, and he was smart, didn't dive and let the ball get past him, and, and picked it up. Not it. only have to think about it, but you have to execute it. Yeah. No, a, you got to, you know, you didn't make the catch. You got to pick up on the short hop on the run. You got to pick up the baseball. For those that may look easy on TV, for those that have played the game, know the game. That's a difficult play. So he made the good pickup, and then on the full run, spinning. From his blind side, didn't have time to really locate, fires the ball to second base to have that kind of accuracy, even though it one hopped in. To get rid of it that pick it up A, get rid of it that quickly B, and to be accurate. An amazing play, no doubt. Yeah, to throw away from your body yep. like that. Yep. Uh, that that's it was a really tough throw. To be able to compute everything that he had to compute on mm-hmm. what he should do. You know, Coach, because everybody, I know you were talking about coaching points, and you said you would never coach a catcher on watching if they touch. No. One thing you always teach all your players is think about the situation before every pitch. Yes. You know, so like he would think, well, if the ball goes over my head, it's in front of me, do this. You don't think, well, I'm going to be in a situation where I might have to dive or try to block a ball. And, and, and you know, what should I do? And that, that type of stuff you don't normally 
start putting it into the computer before the play. So that that only comes from uh, from playing a lot of baseball. Oh, if yeah, you, absolutely. That's just instinct. That's yep. Right when you start running for it, you come to the point where, wow, mm-hmm. I didn't consider this. Now what do I do? Mm-hmm. So Marlon Bird is without question one of the best ball players that the Cubs have had in years. He, he's like, he reminds me of a Mark Grace, just always doing the right thing mm-hmm. and playing to his level of, uh, of ability and to his talents and not trying to do more, yeah. but doing exactly what he does extremely well. Mm-hmm. And his approach to the game, too, uh, just uh, the, the joy of playing. He looks like a, a little league kitty. You could tell, you know, he's not going through the motions. Each and every game, he's got the smile on his face. He plays hard. He's cheering on his teammates. He's a throwback to what we think about often a professional sports athlete. I didn't, I knew the name Marlon Bird. hadn't really watched him play much, but boy, watching him for the Cubs this year, he has become one of my favorite players. And big dog, I'm glad that the rest of the country got to see not so much, you know, the great talent of Marlon Byrne, but got to see uh, the things you mentioned, his spirit, his enthusiasm, his smarts in baseball, and they now appreciate a little bit more Marlon Byrne. I'm, I'm glad that happened for him on a national scene. And, and by the way, did you see what happened after the 27th out of the game? Yeah, the did outfielders you, came together. Yeah, and they ran up and they jumped up and slapped their backs together that's, like in the, in midair. That's a Marlon Byrne tradition, right? Marlon Byrne brought that to the Chicago Cubs, and now the Chicago now they were they did it at the All-Star game and and uh Tim McCarver was like I've never seen them do that before and I was like it's Miss Marlon Bird I strained it but I don't think he heard me coach. Mm-hmm. So All right. But go that, that was, to me that was one of the highlights of the game is seeing those those three guys yeah. not on the same team an Astro uh, a Diamondback and a Cub. Mm-hmm. You know, legitimately having a blast and a good time at the All-Star mm-hmm. game. It was, and uh, those three teams None of those three teams are going to be playing in the World Series this year, so it's not like they gained an advantage by having the National League uh, get back home field advantage. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I wanted to get to the competitiveness of the game. And again, fans, the baseball fans out there, we talk a little all-star game uh, here at the midpoint break. Not a lot of sports going on today. A little bit of a, actually, it's a lot bit of a slow sports day today. So we're talking a uh, little all-star baseball, midseason baseball, 888-463-6748. Dial it up. We'd love to hear from you. But, um, you know, the competitiveness of the game and the announcer's comment, and I don't think it's fake, I don't think it's feigned, and I don't think the primary reason they're competitive is because the winning team's going to have home field advantage. It's pro athletes back to the uh, the true spirit of the game. I think they're competitive because of their inherent nature. It's National League against American League. The last three, four, five years, Big Dog, there's a different tension to this game. Feel free to correct me, but I... I I, I, I think it's more competitive than it's ever been, and just not for any particular reason, just for desire to beat the other team. Inherent competitiveness. No, I, I totally agree that it's starting to remind me back when, you know, I remember the, the All-Star games in the late 70s and yeah. through the 80s, and it seemed like it was a real competitive game. And then I also agree that, like, late 90s, the early 2000s, yep. it, it, it kind of lost it. It was almost like in the, the NBA game, like, hey, uh, I'm here once you just throw me the fastball and I'll see if I can hit it out of the park. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I'm not going to actually go first to third on a play because I don't want to pull my hamstring. I, I, literally, it seemed like it, the game turned to that. Well, maybe it is because it, it like reawakened the fact that you're playing for something. And it really is the American League versus the National League and an important game. So I, I will totally agree when you talk about the trends of how they've played. I'm just going to... That's the only other thing they've changed in a coach is the fact that now that you get a home field advantage in the World Series. So I'm going to disagree now. I think that really does make a difference because Mm -hmm. you're right. 
they they didn't care for a couple of years, maybe like ten years. It seemed like it, it turned into the NBA All Star game for some reason. Mm-hmm. Great, so, great ball game. We should mention we haven't even uh, talked about the guy who I'm assuming I fell asleep right after the game, but I'm assuming he got the MVP award. Brian McCann, the fine catcher for the Atlanta Braves, got the big hit. All three RBIs, all on one play, and it was uh, looked like the National League was going to be snake bit. Again, because as you mentioned, uh, you know, fourth inning, fifth inning, sixth inning, runners on base couldn't score. Thirteen years without winning a game. Here we go again. If Brian McCann makes it out with the bases loaded, it might have uh, been a 14-game streak, but he drilled one to right field, a triple or a double with the bases loaded. Big hit of the game and uh, maybe a significant hit in recent All-Star game uh, memory. Oh, it's without a doubt. And like right when it happened, uh, Joe Buck called it out immediately, and he said, Oh, that's the biggest National League hit in an All-Star game since Mike Piazza in 96. He mm-hmm. called it immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he he was the All-Star game MVP. He deserved it. Otherwise, the only other player that you're talking about is like Marlon Bird, and it, it really you don't want to give a guy who drew a walk and scored a run at the Griffith. And struck out also. What's that? I think he struck, he struck out, out also. also against yep. Valverde. And mm-hmm. a really good at-bat. That was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, Jose Valverde, put showboat on the field. Okay. Oh, oh, the little side shuffle? Oh, come on. I like that. You like that? Yes. (laughs) You know, Coach, you know what? If I would have heard something like that and was one of your players, I Uh would start doing something like that. And I would do just like how you talked about I would go to the other (laughs) team before the game. I'm like, hey, listen, I'm not trying to show you up. I'm sick of my coach saying all this stuff, so I'm going to do this to mock my own coach. And then I would like I would do all the flamboyant stuff. Oh, how would you? I don't even know how to describe it to the fans that didn't see the play. But he first of all, off the mound and took a bow after a strikeout. A bow? A bow? I don't know if I saw that. I saw a very large and intimidating Jose Valverde get into a little bit of a squat position and do kind of like a little. What would you call it? A duck's waddle off the pitcher's mound and then do like a little football shuffle step. Very, what I saw, if we're talking about the same thing, very subtle, yeah, 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 very right. understated. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're doing exactly right. He, he did a lot more than just take a bow. He made a whole song and dance out of the fact that he struck somebody out. <laughs> you imagine Carl Hubble doing that in the, in the second All-Star game in 34. He'd had to do that five times. He'd have been out of gas. <laughs> okay. There's no way he would have been able to struck out the fourth or fifth guy in a row if, if that would have happened. So. By the way, Jose Valverde, woo, he can pitch. That ball was, you talk about a ball dropping off the table? Yeah, he throws the My split goodness. finger. Not too many guys throw that anymore, coach. Mm-hmm. Really? How many guys throw the splitty? No, not very few. That was the, was like him and Ryan Dempster. It's the best one I've seen since was that, uh, Bruce Suter, right? Wasn't oh, that? Oh, you think it's that good? Well, what I saw it's, last it's, night, what I saw last night was that good. Oh, you know what? It, no, it's a great one. I don't know if it's that good, but it's the best one since Tudor, especially for mm-hmm. a reliever. It, it really is. And and uh, I, I love that McCover said it perfectly. He's like, you know if a right-handed pitcher has a .086 uh, batting average against gets lefties, he throws uh, the split-finger fastball. It's either that or an unbelievable changeup. But that's true. Those lefties have no chance, Coach. It looks like it's a perfect fastball. Mm-hmm. You see it all day long, and that thing just dies. I mean, legitimately, it takes a direct turn right into the ground. It's nasty. Mm -hmm. Jose Valverde, very, very impressive. Uh, We've mentioned pitchers across the board were uh, pretty good. We saw a lot of uh, great pitching performances, a lot of them only one inning. Jonathan Broxton, who closed out the game, uh, got near the 100-mile-an-hour mark, but I think there was five, six, seven pitchers big done that threw, hit maybe 98, 99 on the gun. I mean, very impressive pitching display. Uh, uh, Obaldo Jimenez, uh, 
uh, Broxton did or exactly right. There's a, there was a couple pitchers that actually got David Wright hit a hundred. You know the the starter for the American yeah. League. How does he do that, by the way? Because David David Price, not David Wright. Oh yeah, my fault. Uh, David Price, the Price I, is right though, coach. Price is very very right, but you know, <laughs> spindly looking guy. He looks like. If you didn't know better, you'd think he'd be playing for the Schaumburg Flyers. Here is exactly how he does it, Coach. And, and I'm going to try to – I know we have a lot of people aspiring to be major league pitchers listening to the to the broadcast, but you never know what we're going to say. Because he doesn't try really hard. That might This might sound easy, but he mm-hmm. throws – like Matt Thornton of the Chicago White Sox, who, who throws 97 miles an hour, and it looks, he doesn't even try. If you just stay within yourself, pitch in a perfect form, Stay nice and loose, and just let it fly. You can, that, that's how he pitches. He doesn't like tense his body up and try to do it as hard as he can. He just mm-hmm. stays loose and does it as hard as he can. Mm-hmm. So, and you're right. That spindly dude throwing the ball 100 miles an hour. It doesn't seem right, but he flings it. It's absolutely flings the ball. Coach. Another guy like that who would not fit your description. He certainly doesn't throw the ball easy. And smoothly, he was not in the All-Star game, at least I don't think he was. He didn't get in the game. And that's uh, San Francisco Giant pitcher Tim Lensicombe, who weighs what, about 165, 170? Yeah, yeah, and uh, he he was uh, part of the pitching staff. Oh, he was, okay. Yeah, and he, he did not get into the game. Mm-hmm. And, and Coach, but you know what, I'm, I will tell you this, it doesn't look smooth and easy for him because he doesn't have your prototypical uh, delivery. To say the but least. If you really think about what he does, you really can get a lot of torque, and it's a lot easier on your body. It's funny. His dad taught him that motion, and people are like, this motion's horrible. He'll hurt himself. If you really think about what he does, about how he bends his back over, as long as he doesn't hurt his back, he won't have arm trouble because he throws with his entire body unlike any pitcher I've ever seen. So it's funny how, like, because he doesn't look normal, and it looks kind of herky-jerky, but if you think about it, Every inch of his body is in his throw, and he uses less of his arm than any pitcher in Major League Baseball when he throws the ball. Beautiful. Good pitching analysis from the Big Doe. We're uh, winding up our show today, Big Doe. We basically have a nice uh, day of rest today. You can uh, break from sports a little bit tomorrow. Second half of the season begins. We got some great races I wanted to before we got into our argument about the Little League umpires. Well, well tomorrow they start, so I'll be more than happy to tomorrow okay. go through all the races and and, Coach, I'm prepared. And you know what? If the Cubs aren't going to win it, I would love to have little small market teams all over the uh, all over the league win their divisions. Mm-hmm. Well, you're a little small market guy. That's just the kind of guy you are. But I'm going to give you a little. This, gonna... I am no longer on the bash the Cincinnati Reds bad wagon. After I've watched them play over yeah. the last two weeks, I will tell you this. They can catch the baseball unlike any team in Major League. They're the best fielding team in the Major mm-hmm. League right now. All right. One of the teams I want to question you about tomorrow is the Texas Rangers, who picked up Cliff Lee. A lot of people said that could be the pickup that puts him over the top. As soon as they picked him up over the weekend, they lose four straight and get swept by the worst team in baseball, the Baltimore Orioles. So, uh, yeah, well, let's not, let's not write them off just like I did no, early I, on. I will say this, they catch the ball pretty well too. Elvis Andrews, Michael Young, uh, Barbone, they've got some good fielders too on that. And they can, uh, to put it mildly, they can hit. And they have a closer. So they might have the formula. Who's, who's their closer? Nafina Perez, coach. God and bless if he you. would have been in the game yesterday, there would have been a third person who threw the ball uh, 100 miles an hour in the game. Mm-hmm. I'm a little disappointed, by the way, that since Shushu, 
uh, the Cleveland Indian did not make an appearance in the All Star game. You know, he's on the on the disabled list, or else ah. he would have made it. He was he's without a doubt Cleveland's best player. Are you telling me that Shin Shu Shu's got a boo boo? Yes, he does, Coach. And uh, after it happened, he went woo woo. <laughs> By the way, the heckler, the Chicago Cub, uh, humorous newspaper uh, had something about Ronnie woo woo getting one of those vuvuzelas that were used in the World Cup. Can you imagine oh, that combination? Oh, Vuvuzelas. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. All right, Big Dome, we got to wrap it up. Uh, and again, your assignment for tomorrow now, it, it always happens that a couple of teams that look very, very good first half of the season drop off the table, and there will be at least one or two teams that did not play well, did not look good. First half of the season that totally surprised us in the second half. Your homework assignment will be to uh, let our listening audience know which of those teams are, okay? Uh, they, they, it's not even homework, Coach. It's already done. All right. When it comes to baseball, I don't procrastinate on my work, Coach. All right. Stick around. Winning Wednesdays is enough. Uh, is up next, Big Dog. It's a uh, gambling show, something I know you used to have interest in. If you listen to this show, it might oh, pique your interest once again. I, I have a question. Should I, is it okay if I eat that Chinese food that's been left in my refrigerator for the last two and a half months? Could you ask them? Because trust me, that's taking a serious gamble. <laughs> I'll make sure I ask them all fair. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow at 10. Thanks for listening, everybody. David Olson, our producer, great job as per always. 10 o'clock tomorrow, don't be late. Dog and the coach at your service.